Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the SSC Weekly Podcast. Pastor Chad has a great message for us today. If you're new or would like to connect, head on over to our website and click the I'm New button. That's ssc.church. Click the I'm New button because we would love to connect with you. And our hope is that you'd be inspired to follow Jesus. Let's head on in. Well, well good morning, everyone. It's a friendly crowd this morning. How many people like, I don't know if like is the word, but tend to read the news a lot? Any news readers here? People keep up on world events into that day if you're one. I see that. I have a thing. I, I, I check the news probably too much, to be honest. You know, I'm, my daughter's nodding like, yes, Dad. I was like, I talked with Heidi, and I was like, hey, Heidi, just so you know, she's not into the news as much as I am. I try to inform of her of like major world events when they go down. Like, that's my job. I'm the guy, I check the news website so much, rarely things change because I'm there often enough to, through the day to know what's going on. And I was reading on the CBC News website just the other day, and I stumbled across an article that caught my eye, and I took some time to read it, and it was titled, Golden Years, Lonely Sunsets. And it was an article on the CBC that was talking about how loneliness is a growing social issue in Canada, specifically for seniors. Um, when you age, and, and we all age by God's grace, I hope to age gracefully for much time, but as, as people get older, you know, the, the, just a reality is sometimes you start losing friends, spouses. Uh, in a very mobile society like the one we have today, families don't necessarily all live in the same zone. My grandmother, she grew up in Millville, and basically all the family trees stayed in Millville, and she traveled a little bit, but you could always go back to Millville and find the hundred cousins you had in that small town in New Brunswick. But today, families, they, they live in different cities or sometimes in different provinces or different countries. It was actually interesting inside of the article, it mentioned this, it said that in November, the World Health Organization designated loneliness, describing it as a painful, subjective experience that results from a discrepancy between relationships someone wants and needs and the relationships they actually have. They designated loneliness as a global public health concern. People who are lonely are at higher risk of heart disease and stroke, of type 2 diabetes, depression, anxiety, addiction, self-harm, dementia, and earlier death. A few years ago, if you're a newsreader like me, you'll remember hearing that it was a big deal that in Great Britain, they actually made it a part of one of their cabinet minister's portfolios to be the cabinet minister responsible in Great Britain for addressing loneliness in society. And it's not just something that's happening here, and it's not just something that happens for seniors. I was reading a different article about um, a social group that actually has a name in Japan, and pardon my Japanese, because I don't speak Japanese, but here it is, the Hikikomori is the name of it. There's a growing population of young adults and middle-aged adults that have become reclusive, and they define this specifically as people who do not leave their rooms or sometimes don't even leave their homes for periods extending as much as six months. And in Japan right now, they estimate that there are 1.46 million people living that way in the country today. 
It was a growing issue in Japan years ago, but actually it got exacerbated with the pandemic, and people have yet to come out of their house in some cases. I read a tragic story about a young man, so recluse, and, th- and there's, this is a social thing going on that, you know, the bodies of his parents were found in his house because they'd been taking care of him, and he was suffering from starvation because he couldn't get himself outside. Now, that sounds a little extreme, but there are people who are really dealing with issues of loneliness and really struggling to find ways to connect to others. And as I read about this, I thought about conversations I've had with people, even in Fredericton, and we might not have a social class title like the Japanese do, but there are people in our city who live with that type of isolation in our midst. People who are struggling to find ways to connect and re-engage with the world. And, and, and maybe you, even though you're here today or maybe you're with us online today, you're saying, I've, I've got some connection, but if I was honest, I'm, I'm dealing with issues of loneliness. And as I stopped to think about that, this refrain came to my mind. It's from Genesis chapter 2, and it's talking about from the creation story about Adam and Eve and whatever, but there's a principle inside of it that says, when God created the world, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And all the women that have seen men live alone could say amen, but yeah, you got it. Uh, But there's this principle, and it's not just about marital relationship, it's just that we are designed for community and connection. We're supposed to have connection with other people. It's essential for us. It's part of the way God has made us. The last few weeks, we've been doing a series entitled Communion. And on week one, Pastor Werner talked about communion with God and talked about how God wants to be in a relationship with us. Our primary place of relationship with God is not just out of duty, but it's out of His great love and His compassion for us. And He wants us to be connected. And He talked about God being Abba, God being a father that loves and cares for us better than any earthly father could. And then Pastor Wayne last week surveyed a number of passages in the New Testament talking about communion with others, on talking on the topic of how we relate to each other and kind of setting the stage for what we're going to do today because today I actually want to take one of the passages Pastor Wayne did. He looked across the New Testament at so many amazing passages and today I want to take just one of those passages and put it under the microscope a little bit. A passage from John chapter 15 and if you have your Bible you're more than welcome to open or tap your way to the passage is John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. We're just going to like hone in down on a few words and a few thoughts from this one passage. And I've got it on the screen. In fact, it's short enough. I'm going to ask you, if you could, why don't we take a moment. You can look at your Bible and keep it there for reference while we're preaching today. But why don't we take a moment and just read this aloud together. Today's passage, John 15, verse 12. It says, My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. I actually want to kind of really, as I said, we're going to take the microscope. I'm not going to hone in on the word love because we could talk about that and I'll get to that in a minute. I want to hone down on the two words that you see right after the word love, the words that are called each other. Each other. 
Now this word, these words, each other, or in some translations it would say one another, come from a Greek word, aleleus, which is a word that is used to talk about how people do things together. Um, one example is we just got past Christmas, and in the Christmas story, there's a spot where the angels, it says they appear to these shepherds, and then the shepherds talked amongst themselves with each other about the things they had heard. So that means like one shepherd's talking and the other shepherd's talking back. There's a mutuality to it. If I was to think of another illustration, just imagine you've got two kids, okay? How many people know what it's like when two kids start arguing and they start hitting each other. So it's not just that Johnny's hitting Susie or Susie's hitting Johnny. It's no, Johnny and Susie are hitting each other. There's a mutuality to it. And in the community Jesus is asking us to become, we are supposed to love each other. Not just love, but love each other. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to be nitpicky, but there's something about this each other part of the verse that is an essential part for us to understand. And I think sometimes our assumptions about love and relationships can erode what Jesus is getting at when he calls us to be the people that love each other. You see, the love Jesus is talking about in this passage is a mutual love, one that gives and one that receives. I really want to hone on this. This is like, this is one of my life passages. I'm so passionate about this. But I really think we need to understand that this command, Jesus' new command, that he says will identify us as his people to the world around us, requires us to have a mutual love, one that gives and one that receives. And depending on your family history and who you are, one side of that equation is going to be more challenging for you than another. There are two challenges that mutual love presents to us. And the first challenge is that we are not just to receive love, we are to give love. All right, just a quick question. Have you ever been in a conversation, perhaps on the phone, I'm going to explain it on the phone, but it could be in person, when, how would I say this, when somebody talked to you but not with you? It's one of those... Pick up the phone, hey, Chad, and, and, and they start talking, and they start talking, and, and, and you could sit the phone down and go make a sandwich, and, and you kind of come back, and you pick it up, and they don't know you left, and, and they're going, on, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, and then, and then, and then you start reading the phone book, and you, I'm old, I, used to, I know what a phone book is. Um, have you ever had conversations like that before, where basically... And then you have something you want to share, but there's, there's no airtime or no space. And eventually they say, wow, it's so good talking to you. Thank you. And it's like, oh, okay. See, Jesus talks to us about how when we have our relationships, we're not supposed to be what I would call a black hole for love. That's why I got a picture of a black hole. It's my sci-fi thing up there. It's probably not really what they look like, but it looks pretty. That's what I got when I searched black hole on the internet. Um, if you don't know what a black hole is, it's this... I'm going to get in trouble with a scientist now. Basically, it's this thing with so much gravity, it sucks light into itself. 
It eats and eats and eats and eats and eats and nothing ever escapes it because all it does is it consumes and it consumes and it consumes and it needs and it needs and it needs and it needs and it needs. Kind of reminds me, there's this uh, movie, Pastor Vern used to speak about it years ago. It was one of his favorite movies that he and Betty Ann would watch before they went on vacation. It was called What About Bob? It's an older movie. Yeah, yeah, some, of, some of you might know it. If you, if, if you have never heard this movie, I'll give you a little bit of a story on it. It's this guy whose name is... Good guess. Um, <laughs> and he's... Uh, who is he played by? He's played by Bill Murray. And Bill Murray is this patient of a psychologist played by Richard Dreyfus. And Richard Dreyfus is getting ready to go on vacation with his family to a little cottage off somewhere. And Bill Murray's just like, how can I live without you for, for like a month or a week or however long it was he was going to be away? I, I, I need you. I can't do without you. I'm just a mess. And, and there's this one point in the movie where it goes, like, I need, I need, I need. And so what he does in the, in the movie, I don't want to ruin it for you, but basically he finds out where his psychologist is going on vacation and like makes himself welcome in the family. And it, it's really funny. You have to get it. I, I don't know why a pastor would want to watch a movie about needy people and trying to escape them. I couldn't guess it. Anyway. Um, but there are people who struggle. And I, we make this in jest, but some of us struggle to feel that we're ever loved enough and require people to just care for us and care for us and care for us. And then when we don't feel like people have shown us enough love, we choose to be offended and hurt. Jesus' command, love one another as I have loved you, requires that not only we be the recipients of love or be able to receive love from others, but we are called not only to receive, but to be people who give it back out. And I'm going to say sometimes in the church we can... We are called to love everybody. We're called to love everyone regardless of their emotional health or how much they're able to do these things. But Jesus calls us to a healthier way of being, a way that requires us to not just be consumers but to be contributors in our relationships with other people. There needs to be mutuality in the conversation. We are to do life. We're not supposed to just speak to. We're supposed to speak with. We're not supposed to just tell, we're supposed to listen. We're not just supposed to receive love, we're called to give. The other challenge that Jesus' commands presents to us is the opposite challenge. Jesus tells us that we're not only supposed to give love, we are called to receive love. Now, I'm going to be honest, in some ways, for some of you, this is your challenge. Things like this show up sometimes at Christmas time. Have you ever had somebody that is just so generous? They love to give and they give gifts and they love giving things away, but they almost get scrunched up in the face if you try to give them anything back. They don't know how to receive a gift. They don't know how to receive something. Do you know somebody, maybe you're the somebody, that loves to help other people when they're struggling, 
be it financially or emotionally or in a difficult time of their life, if they're going through something awkward and hard, and they're just the first person that want to comes and lends a hand and try and help out and assist and stand beside and comfort. But when they're going through difficulty, they can't ask for help. They can't receive help when it comes. Sometimes, people who struggle with this side of the equation, actually they move into the caring professions because they need to be the over-functioning savior caretaker type. Here's what I want to say. Jesus commands us, us who struggle to receive help to say, if you want to have the kind of community that I want to create, if you want to be the kind of people, the people that people notice and say there's something different about the way they relate to each other, not only are we commanded to love others, but we are commanded to be the recipients of other people's love and care. And those of us who struggle to receive help from other people, we actually rob others of the opportunity to be generous and to be gracious and to bless and to give. Years ago, I was reading a book called Boundaries uh, by Cloud and Townsend, famous book. It was a big hit years ago. It's in multiple editions now. But it actually, in chapter 3, there's a whole section that talks about how people can struggle in their boundaries to either give love or to receive love. And we need to realize that God calls us to do both of these things. See, the one another is just not attack on. Jesus just didn't say, here's my commandment, I want you to love. But he says, no, I want you to love one another. I want you to be the people that are so connected that you you're able to give love, Jen, and receive love when you need it. That you're able to receive encouragement and you're able to give encouragement. You're able to talk with, not just talk to or be talked at. That's what Jesus wants for us. And it's not just that we love one another or that mutuality thing. You say, wow, that's beautiful, Chad. It's like, yeah, that sounds like the healthy relationships I want to have. But not only are we supposed to love each other, but Jesus tacks this thing on at the end too. He says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. The beginning point for this love that transforms us, that gives witness to who Jesus is, the foundation of it is beginning with an experience of receiving the love of God. 1 John 4, 9 says this, we love because He first loved us. We begin with experiencing the love of God and then that love transforms us and then we begin this mutual thing. And what does that look like? Well, Jesus kind of lays it out right afterwards. No one has a greater love than this, than one who lays down his life for their friends. The kind of love that Jesus calls us to pursue, the love that he gives us first, is a love that is sacrificial and puts others above us. A love that is generous, that walks across deserts to chase down those he loves. A love that will lay down its life. And here's what I want to say. When we mutually demonstrate that kind of Jesus love, it's undeniable, it's powerful, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. 
And I stopped to think about this. I was, I was thinking this week, it's like, what does this kind of love look like? Where have I seen this kind of thing? And uh, actually a story from a couple weeks ago came to mind. I was, uh, I was here for Don Lemmy's funeral with Karen just a couple weeks ago. And, you know, we all love Don. We love Karen. It's a great, great funeral, great service honoring his story. But what caught my eye was actually when the funeral was about done. And most of the people had gone, you know, because after a while people need to go home. It's natural. It was a cold day. And I looked up at the front and actually uh, I saw Peter Pot. He was up at the front and he was lingering behind and he was starting to gather the flowers and things. And then I saw other people from... from uh, the circle group. Don and Karen had a circle group they were a part of. Terry leads it with Peter, and, and they would meet in Don and Karen's house every week. And they'd come, and they'd hang out, and they'd pray and do stuff together. And then I see everyone else is left, but who do I see staying behind? I see them. They're going to the kitchen people to help gather the food, and they're gathering the flowers, and they're doing the care. Because in the same way that Don and Karen had opened their homes and poured their lives into these people, these people are pouring their lives and caring for Karen at this time. And walking with her, and I stop and I look at this. Isn't that what? Isn't that what it's supposed to look like? Isn't that what we all want in our lives? I, I told I had to give Karen a shot across the bow because I said I'm not going to tell this story without telling her because I didn't want to, you know, poke at things. And she said, Chad, you know, when we found out Don wasn't going to live much longer, he's turned palliative. Like those are the people that came to the room first. You know, the family was there, and then who is it? It's these people, the people I've done life with and shared life with. Isn't that what God wants for us? Isn't that what community should look like? I was thinking about another story from my week, just this week, just this week. I was driving into church at 9 a.m. on Wednesday morning, and out of the blue, my mind was went to my senior pastor, Ken. I used to attend a church in California for three years. It was my home church family. Loved him, and, and he poured in my life and spoken into me and encouraged me in ministry and life and just was a good friend. And he was on my mind that morning. And so I just, I text him a message and I say, hey, I know it's early where you are because it's 5 a.m. in California at 9 a.m. my time. But it's just, just on my mind, you're praying for you today. And like later that day, that evening, I got a message from Ken, and part of, part of his story was he'd, he'd lost his 20, I think 28-year-old daughter to cancer a year and a half ago. He says, Chad, I was, just, I was just actually up this morning having one of those pity me moments, just really struggling because I was still grieving the loss of Abby. And I was like, oh God, how, where are you in the middle of this? And in the middle of that, your text message came through. And I said, thanks so much for hearing something from God, it meant so much. And I don't say that to say, whoa, look at me, I heard from Jesus. You know, that's not the point. The point is, aren't we supposed to, I've not, I have saw him a year ago because I was in California for a bit. I've seen him once in 20 years, but there's this mutuality, this love, this connection, this commitment to each other. And when God puts him on my heart, I pray for him. And, and God works in the middle of these relationships of mutual care and compassion for each other. 
Have you been the recipient of phone calls at 11 o'clock at night of people checking in to say, hey, how you doing? I've been praying and I've been thinking, I've received calls like that. My wife and I have. I've had the good fortune of standing alongside people in difficult seasons and seeing the beauty of what happens when the community gathers around and there's this mutual love and care in times of joy and in times of sorrow. And I stop and I think of the people who are experiencing loneliness and those people in Japan and people in Fredericton, and I say, is this not God's purpose for His church in the world today? Isn't that what you want? As a pastor, that's what I want for this church family. That, like, that's what I want for you. And I got some, I've got to have to say something honest, though. A church program or an institution can't create that. It can't. It can't create and force that kind of community. It is a gift of God. And I'm going to say, Sunday morning, I love Sunday morning. Like we have, you know, you find a handsome preacher and you put him on a stage, some nice lights and a good shirt. Like who doesn't want more than that, really? Talking about Werner. What are you laughing at? I don't know what you're going on about here. Anyway. But we don't get that kind of community standing and singing a song and looking at the back of someone's head and hearing the same message together. That doesn't create it. That doesn't do it. There has to be an intentional engagement. In order for us to love one another deeply, we need to find some one another's to love deeply. That's what we need. I'm going to say this. I'm going to talk to you about something. As a church, we can't create that, but we can do our best to try and foster that and create atmospheres to grow that. And that's why uh, one of the things that we do is we encourage people to get connected in smaller groups at the church. And we do Bible studies and things. And I'm going to actually ask you to try something. Um, For the next eight weeks starting the first week of February, you want to take February and March, the first week of February till Easter, which is the end of March this year. And we're going to encourage you to sign up for what's called a circle group. And this is really basic. It's eight weeks with approximately eight people where we'll ask you to gather together and to read some scripture together, to pray for each other, and to get to know each other. That's it. That's what it is. And if you're interested in being part of one of these, you can go to ssc.church slash circles. There's a link to a form you can fill out so I can find out who's interested. I've already talked to some people who said, hey, I'm willing to lead a group. I've got other people who say, hey, I'm willing to host a group. I've got some groups that say, hey, we've got room inside of us. And there's, some of these might meet in the house. Some of them might meet here in the church. Some of them might meet at a coffee shop. We've got other groups like a recovery group or a young adults group that I'll try and help you connect with. We've got a young marrieds group that's actually, I messaged them last night. They said, you know, we're kind of full, but if there are young marrieds that need or some young couples that want to get together, we'll break in two and make room for more people because we want to make room at the table to do this one another thing right. And, you know, I'm just going to say, if we try it, I can't guarantee that you're going to get a Cracker Jack experience. You know, you're with people. But, but we're never going to see that kind of level of community develop if all we do is see the back of each other's heads. Now, 
some of you might come to me and say this, Chad, I'm just going to be honest with you. And I prefer honest, you know, don't come up to say, I'm not going to be honest with you, like that'd throw me off a whole lot. But some of you might come to me and say, I gave that a shot once, and it didn't really work out the way I had hoped it would. All right, and you're going to be straightforward. Have any of you ever been part of a group and you say, you know, I was gladder when it was done than when it started? See, Terry, thank you. Terry's honest with me. I just have to say something. And, and here's the thing I want to get at. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Isn't that right? And we talk about that mutuality. Do you remember when he said it? This is one of those interactive moments. Anyone remember when he said that command? Hmm? Oh, somebody said it. What? At the Last Supper. Jesus said, I want you to love one another as I have loved you on the night that he was about to be betrayed. Jesus spoke this command to his disciples knowing that they would disappoint him, knowing that he would turn from him, knowing that he would have to forgive them. Here's the thing. I'm going to just guarantee you something. If we make efforts to pursue authentic community, to pursue authentic relationships, we inevitably will hurt each other. There will be tears. There will be disappointments. But Jesus' love gives and requires of us to forgive each other and to keep loving. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. I'm going to tell you something. When you're in real relationships with people, they are beautiful and they're hard. But when you have no relationships, it may feel easy, but it's death. It may feel easy, but it's death. And Jesus calls us to life. Jesus calls us to life. He said, James 5.16, not on the screen, says, Therefore confess your sins to each other. Not one way, two way. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. When we love one another with this kind of love, we demonstrate that we truly are Jesus' followers. Jesus said, if you love one another like I have loved you, if you love one another as I have loved you, People will know that you are my disciples if you love one another as I have loved you. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus was so bang on true and right when he said it. Generally, I think he is all the time. But he was really right here. Because people can smell it. People can smell when you walk in a church or even when you walk in a city and there's this thing between churches where there's competition and jealousy and unforgiveness and people walk and say, yeah, if that's what Christianity is, it doesn't smell good. It doesn't smell right. It's not what I want to be a part of. But on the other hand, 
when there are people that love each other, like with a love that forgives and continues to love. With people who aren't just black holes, but who give. When people who look like they're strong are able to receive help from those that would seem to be weak. People smell that. And they say, it's beautiful. That's different. That's different. What's that about? If communion kind of comes from this idea of like the shared loaf or the shared bread of life, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread. There's nothing quite like the smell of a church that loves each other as Christ has loved them in the midst of their imperfections. Church, that as a pastor is what I want for you. It's what I want for me. It's what I want for my kids. It's what I want for all of our kids. It's what Jesus calls us to. You know, there are things... I love lots of churches. I love lots of expressions of church. When I'm on vacation, I go to churches that are very different than here, and I, I find beauty in them all. I, I, last year on vacation, I, I cracked in two church services on one Sunday morning. I went to the Anglican Church early at Christ Church Parish Church. I went to Holy Family Catholic Church. I go to Baptist churches on other days. Like, I get around. I actually, you know, I try to, you know. It's like, I, I get out of here, and I go places, uh, I actually found out there's a, a new Eastern Orthodox Church plant in our city. And I was like, you know, what? this vacation this year, I'm probably going to try and visit them. I've always wanted to visit an Orthodox Church, you know, all these things. And I love the beauty and the expression in the body of Christ. But I'm going to say something. There's something I really love about our church. And it's a little cultural thing. It's kind of the way we do it, not dissing anyone else. And it was kind of like what happened this morning in mid-service. When, when Pastor Werner says, hey, do you need prayer today? Why don't you stand where you are? And I, I, just, I just love that because it speaks about what I think church is supposed to look like. Because in, in some churches, it's like, come forward and get the ordained clergy to play for, pray for you. And you know, I'm, not, I'm an ordained clergyman. It's like my poop doesn't smell better, but you know, I've been consecrated to do something. That's great. And that's fine. But what I love about our church is like, why don't we stand where you are and then we'll pray for each other. You, you don't have to be a pastor or have it perfect to come and stand to put your hand on someone's shoulder and stand beside them and encourage them or give them a hug or shake their hand or, you know, and, and that's part of the way we do prayer here. Not all the time, much of the time. And I think it's beautiful because it says something about the kind of community we want to be. The community that looks out for each other. And here's the thing I want to say to you today. Just like that was beautiful today when people stood and prayed and, and were with each other, I want that to be more than just Sunday experience. I want you to have people on Friday or Tuesday or Wednesday that gather around and pray with you. I want people that pray with you, not just for you. I want you, want, I want that community around you. And if you're honest, 
I think somewhere, even though there's something inside of that that might be uncomfortable, or maybe you've experienced hurt in your past, when I tell you that's what God wants for your life, it's not just because it's in Scripture. I think there's something in your heart that that rings true. So here's what I want us to do today. Aside from filling out a form online, or if you're technophobe, like some of you are, that's fine. You, you know, you don't want to, you can go to see the team, and they can help you on a phone. We actually have paper and a pen. You can use paper and a pen in the foyer if you don't want to touch a piece of technology to sign up for this thing. But I want all of us to prayerfully stop and say, God, where am I opening myself to community today? What's my struggle? Do I struggle to give? Or do I struggle to receive? Am I always hurt because I'm not getting enough? Maybe I need to turn this around and learn how to be a giver, not just a receiver. So I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray. And if you're home today online, I want you to pray with us too and see what God has for you. But here's the challenge. God has called us to do this. This is, this is Jesus' third command. He says, what are the greatest commands? Well, love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself with the two great commands. And then Jesus says, I have a new command. This is the command for what it's supposed to look like inside of the family of God. I'll love one another as I have loved you, this mutual thing that bears witness to who I am in the world. Jesus, this is the third command of love that Jesus gives us, and we're to chase it and follow it, and it marks us as his people. Let's pray today. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for all the peoples who are here. I thank you for those who are online. I thank you for those who will watch this later. And Holy Spirit, I just want to begin by saying, God, first of all, I want to ask, us, ask you to forgive us for the places when we've fallen short of living this way. God, when we've when we've chosen either to, to put up our wall so people don't see our hurt and our need and can't offer us love. Lord God, the times when we've been selfish, the times when we've hurt other people, the times when we've failed each other in community, God, Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive us, God. And God, I pray that you'd give us courage to try to pursue deep community with your people. God, I just pray as, as some of us step out here in the next few days to even just fill out this form saying, I'm willing to give this a shot. God, that'll be a courageous step for many as we just try for a few weeks. And God, if maybe we need to pray prayers of forgiveness for other people or prayers of help asking you to help us to do this, God. But I pray you'd give us courage, even as, God, some of us might even choose to open our homes or where we live or a coffee shop. And God, whatever we do, God, I pray we wouldn't settle for less than what you hope for us, that we'd settle for less than your dream. God, and I pray as we take these courageous steps, and God, I pray as we have to take courageous steps to forgive because some of us will fail or do this poorly. But God, as we begin to forgive and love each other with depth, that God will begin to smell like fresh break bread. We'll give off an aroma that is beautiful and life-giving to us and that is inviting to those who want to know about you to see what's real. 
God, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with courage. Fill us with hope. Fill us with dreams of what could be in spite of things where they might not have been before. May we chase your vision for our future together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you want to sign up for a group, see my people. And if you want to explore faith, there's a lot of community in Alpha. Go see Debbie at the back. God bless you. We're so glad that you've joined us. You know, you are part of something bigger. And we want to invite you to get involved, to really be part of the team. You can help make ministry happen either by volunteering or by financially partnering with us. If you'd like to give, you can head over to ssc.church give, and you can even sign up for automatic withdrawals so that you know that your money is consistently making a difference and you are inspiring others to follow Jesus. Why not start today? Head on over to ssc.church give and sign up today. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you in the week to come. Thank you.